0: Chapter Eleven of the Friendship of Anne, a story by Ellen Douglas Delane. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It must not be supposed that Anne's resentment against Sydney was entirely due to the receipt of the anonymous letters. There had been other forces at work, and new developments had taken place since sydney and elsie went out to walk the day before there had been ample time for much gossip and for any amount of mischief to grow and flourish the girls had all been kept in the house by the storm the fact that bertha macy had asked to have her room changed because she did not care to share one with sydney was a piece of news of great interest to everyone Bertha had merely stated to Miss Wickersham that she was so fond of Julia Clark that she would like to room with her, and Miss Wickersham, after very little hesitation, had granted her request. There was no doubt that Bertha was a favorite with the principal. To the girls, she had said very little more, but the tone of voice that one uses makes a deep impression and the slightest of insinuations can gain the importance of an established fact when the speaker intends to have it so, and the person addressed is looking for evidence of trouble. I am so glad to have the chance to change my room, Bertha said to a group of girls whom she met in the corridor when she and Julia were engaged in removing her possessions from one room to another. Of course, I'm awfully sorry for poor Mary Ellen, though even if she is sick, it is not altogether bad luck to have to go home, but it is splendid for me. Oh, if you knew what I have had to go through, well, I don't believe one of you would have stood it as long as I have. Of course I have felt very sorry for Sydney, because she seems so poor. She is here at half-rates, I know for certain. That is exactly the way it is, half-rates. She must be positively impetuous. The girls all thought this a most impressive word, and admired Bertha accordingly. But when people are poor because somebody has done something dreadful, you can't feel so sorry. It may seem surprising that Bertha Macy had gained such influence while Sidney Stewart so quickly became the object of suspicion and dislike. But such was the case, and it was not an unusual one. Little circumstances and tiny events often seem to produce startling results. Bertha was not unpopular with many of the girls, and she had a warm friend in Julia Clark. Together they were of some importance, and the fact that Bertha was liked by Miss Wickersham added to her standing in the school. The other teachers did not care for her, but Miss Wickersham's opinions of the girls were always ways affected by their ability as scholars. Bertha Macy was exceedingly clever at her lessons, as well as in other ways, and therefore Miss Wickersham felt that Bertha was a distinct ornament to her school. And so all this trouble, taking its rise from a very small beginning, grew and prospered until it became of amazing proportions the hour for supper at mrs tracy's on this thanksgiving night was seven o'clock when the slaying party returned it was already dark and after the cold ride they were glad enough to gather round the big fireplace where great logs were crackling the bright blaze of which made the room warm and cheerful by this time sydney and elsie felt completely at home and the cordial and hospitable spirit shown to them by Mrs. Tracy and the boys had the effect of bringing out all that was sweet and attractive in both the girls. They were perfectly unaffected and sincere, and therefore made a most favorable impression upon their hostess, who was charmed with them and really glad to have them in the house. And Hugh, Alec, and Fred Merriman, agreed in pronouncing them the nicest, most natural, and altogether the jolliest girls they had met for a long time. This opinion, pronounced with an air of finality and with the knowledge of the world possessed by three Harvard students, who considered themselves thoroughly experienced in the way of girls, would no doubt have been extremely flattering to Sydney, and Elsie had they but known it. After half an hour's chat by the fire, they dispersed to prepare for the evening, and they were all ready when, at a few minutes before seven, the first sleigh drew up at the door. Very soon another, and then another, came, and presently all of the guests had arrived." Besides the girls who were at boarding school, there were two, Francis Dunn and Bessie Hastings, who lived in Kingsbridge and attended the Wickersham School as day scholars and who therefore were already acquainted with the other girls. A number of young men who were at home from Harvard or Yale or Williams Friends of the Tracys, and who also lived in Kingsbridge, had been bidden, and it was therefore a large and merry party of eighteen, which sat down to supper, and such good things as they had to eat. There were broiled chickens, and oysters, and salad, and waffles, and biscuits, and ice cream, and cake, in fact everything that everybody liked best, and which the boarding school girls appreciated to the utmost Sydney had been placed on the same side of the table with Anne Talbot, but at such distance from her that conversation with her was out of the question. And as Bertha Macy was equally far away on the other side, there was no awkwardness. She had determined to forget all unpleasant feeling. And to do her very best on mrs Tracy's account to help make the evening as pleasant as possible. In the meantime, Bertha Macy was enjoying herself thoroughly. To be invited to mrs Tracy's Thanksgiving party had seemed to her the summit of all that it was possible to wish for, and she had written a triumphant letter to her sister announcing that At last she had reached the goal of her aspirations. Everything is going all right, she wrote. Anne Talbot evidently wants me for her most intimate friend, for she has asked Mrs. Tracy to have me at her party. The Tracys are the very nicest people in Kingsbridge, and the boys are perfectly elegant. They are stunning to look at, and as for Alec... The second one, he is just too handsome for anything, with beautiful light hair and stunning blue eyes. All the girls are crazy about him, and Fred Merriman keeps everybody laughing. He is perfectly fascinating. The idea of that horrid little Sidney Stewart staying in the house and Elsie Brent, of all people. But perhaps it is just as well. For mrs tracy will soon find out how common they are and will probably never ask them again i am going to wear my white towel and i keep my hair up in papers every minute that i can be in my room and have them under my hat when i am out as much as possible it is provoking that i have to take it down at all but Miss Wickersham does not allow curl papers at meals or lessons. The result of these plans and this vigilance as to her hair was that Bertha appeared at Mrs. Tracy's looking not unlike a waxen image that one sees in the window of a hairdresser's establishment. In fact, Fred Merriman asked Alec in a solemn whisper, "'if he knew the best place for buying wigs. "'You'll soon need one, my boy, for you are daily growing older, "'and some day you will lose your hair and be bald, "'and the wax doll over there is evidently in the wig business. "'Ask her.' "'But Alec hushed him up and repaid him "'by introducing him to Bertha as soon as possible.' her light hair was in ringlets and curls and puffs her frizzy bang standing out like a ruffle all around her face which would have been pretty had it not been for the peculiarly shrewd expression of her eyes she was very much overdressed and in this was in marked contrast to the other girls but fortunately for her, she was perfectly satisfied with her own appearance, and the stare of curiosity and astonishment which Fred Merriman made little effort to disguise. She took for one of admiration. Poor Bertha had not had many advantages in the matter of bringing up, thus far in her intercourse with the girls at school she had not shown very conspicuously her lack of gentle breeding but now her thin veneering of good manners could not stand the strain put on it a girl among other girls is not so much noticed as a girl among boys it is then she proves whether or not she is a lady bertha was blissfully ignorant of the fact That there was no sterner critic of the girl's behavior than the fascinating fred merriman he was quite willing to go himself as far as any girl would allow but he reserved the right of judging her both he and alec were extremely particular in this respect and were equally scathing in their comments to each other they enjoyed carrying on as it was called, with anybody and everybody, but the girls whom they considered their friends must be nice in every way. So Bertha simpered and smiled when Fred was introduced to her and informed him as promptly as possible that she had long known him by sight and had been simply dying to meet him. "'How awfully kind of you!' said Fred at once, "'assuming his most devoted manner, "'which he knew how to use to perfection. "'If I had only known that, "'I might have been saved many an hour of despair.' "'His face was intensely solemn, "'and his gray eyes gazed sadly at his victim. "'Really?' she said eagerly. "'Have you known me by sight?' "'And she paused.' "'and wish to meet you? "'How could anything else be possible, Miss Macy? "'Could such a striking-looking person as you pass unnoticed? "'Do I look like a blind man? "'I ask you now, as friend to friend, "'do my eyes give you the impression of not seeing you?' "'Bertha, beneath their gaze, "'cast down her own eyes and giggled, "'not from amusement,' for she was lacking in humor, but from pleasure. "'It is funny what a small place the world is,' she remarked. She had heard older persons make this statement, and it seemed to fit this occasion to a nicety. People are destined to meet sooner or later, and it is brought about so strangely. We both live in New York and have probably met in the street, ever so many times. And yet we have to come all the way to Kingsbridge to be actually introduced. Oh, dear me, they are going to play games, aren't they? Don't you hate games? Loathe them! Do you suppose we have to play? Couldn't we go sit somewhere else before they ask us? Delighted to, I am sure, replied Merriman, The stairs are always available. Oh, I love sitting on the stairs. Let's do it. To hear is to obey. Your wishes are as law to me, Miss Macy. Oh, Mr. Merriman, you treat me like a queen, said Bertha, whose head was now quite turned by the attention which she felt must be noticed by every one of the other girls to hear these speeches from Fred Merriman of all persons, and his manner was so devoted. She rose promptly as she said this, "'And you are not a queen?' said he. "'Your name should be Rose, the queen among flowers,' he added when they reached the stairs and sat down. "'What is your first name?' "'Bertha.' I wish you would call me Bertha. Miss Macy is so formal, and I really feel as if I had known you always. I should judge so, said Merriman, growing more and more solemn in appearance. Inwardly he was indulging in unrestrained mirth. Great Scott, he said to himself, the girl will swallow anything, "'and here I am stuck on the stairs with her "'for the evening unless someone comes to help me out, "'but I'll get some fun out of it anyway.' "'So he continued his fun, "'until some time later when the sounds of reverie "'from the parlour, which he was missing, "'became more than he could endure. "'Then he rose to his feet. "'I must take you back,' said he, I have no right to keep you out here in my dreary company when everyone else is laughing. Oh, I don't want to go play games, said Bertha. And as for your being dreary, the idea, you are not at all dreary, and I just love talking. And when you meet someone who thinks just as you do about everything, Alec exclaimed Fred Merriman, catching a glimpse of his friend's light head as he at that moment peered out of the parlour door. Alec Alec came forward. My dear fellow, said Merriman, clutching the banisters, you are just in time. Take Miss Macy into the parlour, will you? One of those attacks I sometimes have. I feel it coming on. Don't worry, Miss Macy, it is not your fault at all. You couldn't help it. I am subject to them. I need air. Alec understands. Alec surveyed him severely. Yes, I do understand, said he. Miss Macy, he will come round all right if we leave him here. He just needs to be alone. He'll bob up again serenely pretty soon. Anne was just asking where you could be. They are getting up charades. There was nothing for Bertha to do but go with him. Is Mr. Merriman not strong? she asked. Poor fellow, it seems drearful to leave him alone if he is ill or faint or anything. It is just an attack of weakness, exclaimed Alex, extreme weakness. The only thing to do is to leave him alone and Fred, left alone, rolled on the stairs in the ecstasy of his mirth. A little later he entered the parlour. He walked slowly, and his face was grave. One quick glance showed him where Bertha was, and he turned the other way and took a seat by Elsie Brent. There were to be some impromptu charades, and all were waiting for the folding doors between the rooms to be opened on the first scene. Fred, after a remark of no importance, was silent. He was pondering something which Bertha had said, and he planned a test for each of the girls. He intended, he told himself, to find out exactly what each of these Wickersham girls was like. I have been talking a long time with Miss Macy, he said, by way of opening his campaign. Charming creature! Elsie looked at him and laughed. She already understood precisely what his air of solemnity and his extravagant language meant. Don't you agree with me? he asked. Why do you laugh? "'because you are so amusing.' "'But isn't she charming?' "'Why, of course. "'I told you she was Miss Wickersham's favorite.' "'But is she a favorite of yours?' "'I have another favorite. "'You cannot have more than one. "'I know they are rare, "'but sometimes you can have two. "'I suppose yours is Miss Stewart.' "'A good guess.' said Elsie, laughing again. She had an unaffected hearty laugh that was pleasant to hear. Then she changed the subject. She would not discuss Bertha Macy with him. A little later he sauntered over to Sidney Stewart. "'I have been talking for ever so long with a friend of yours,' he said. "'You mean Elsie?' "'No, not Miss Elsie.' "'I mean Miss Macy.' "'Oh, she isn't a friend of mine,' began Sydney impulsively. "'At least, that is—' "'Why, you astonish me. "'Aren't all the girls at the wiki school friends?' "'We ought to be,' said Sydney, quickly recovering herself. "'Bertha is a very bright girl at lessons. "'She is a perfect wonder in mathematics.' "'Mathematics are always charming,' observed Merriman. "'I have no doubt they are,' said Sidney demurely. "'As for myself, I don't know how to add. "'So, of course, I admire Bertha Macy for the way she does it. "'I suppose you and she have been discussing geometrical problems.' "'Of course. "'And we have also dabbled in arithmetic.' She has been explaining to me that two and two make four. How interesting! Now, I couldn't possibly have told you that. It is too bad you don't like her, Miss Stewart. Birds in their little nests should always agree. Why, I have never said I didn't like her. She is considered very pretty and very clever. If Bertha and I were birds and lived in a nest instead of a boarding school, I'm sure we should agree beautifully. Unless she happened to be an English sparrow and you were a, well, we will say a bluebird. I am more like a sparrow, said Sydney, laughing as she glanced at her dress. Bertha is a... Peacock, whispered Fred. Oh, no, not at all. I was going to say a gay, beautiful Baltimore Oriole. Well, that will do. They are forever chattering. Sydney looked him straight in the eye. Her own were reproving. Do you think you are nice to make fun of her to me? For you are making fun of her. I would rather you didn't. Fred's expression changed instantly. I beg your pardon, he said. You are right. And presently they were talking gaily about other things, and then the doors opened upon the first scene of the charade. I just tell you what it is, said he later to Alec and Hugh, when the guests had gone, the household was supposedly asleep, and the three boys in the den upstairs were talking things over. These two girls who are staying here are the real thing. I couldn't get them to say a word against the Macy girl. She had been hammering against them for all she was worth. She told me the greatest lot of trash, said all sorts of mean things about Sidney Stewart and her family and her affairs. I won't repeat them it takes a girl to say mean things about another girl that is just why I tried to draw out the other two to see whether they were anything like the same kind you might have spared yourself the trouble said Alec you might have known they are ladies well of course I knew that but even ladies sometimes say disagreeable things when there is any fuss going on, and that there is some kind of fuss, I am sure, but they both kept as quiet as mice on the subject. Oh, that Macy! She really thought I meant it when I called her a queen among flowers, and on the strength of it asked me to call her by her first name. She's a daisy! "'I never knew the daisy was a queen among flowers,' observed Hugh pensively. "'What, may I ask, does she call you? "'Is it already Freddy?' "'No, but it might have been if I hadn't been firm. "'Oh, my eye, my little, little eye, she's a daisy!' "'And again he had one of his attacks of weakness.' In which the others joined. End of chapter eleven recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, b c.